Brian Smith here, and welcome to the Dream Path Podcast, where I try to get inside the heads of talented creatives from all over the world. My goal is to demystify and humanize the creative process and make it accessible to everyone. Now let's jump in. Jason, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, Brian. It's so good to hang out with you and talk about what we just heard and what we're going to hear. So uh, we're here to talk about Chris Kincaid. Right. He's probably one of my favorite people, man. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Why is that? He's a very entertaining guy. He's um, He and I see things uh, eye to eye on different levels, politically, socially, and he's you know he's been a friend of mine for a couple of years. That's right. You've been connecting with him on social media, and, and, uh, and that's how I found him. Right? right. Yep. When I went down to Los Angeles to, to see him, we were going back and forth about where this was going to take place, mm-hmm. where we were going to talk. And he kept insisting. He was like, oh, no, that's too much traffic. You, you shouldn't have to leave your hotel to come to see me. And I'm like, I really want to talk to you where you create. Where the magic happens. Yeah. And, and so I made the trip up to Burbank and got to see his massage studio and also his harps. He has in his main room, when you walk in, you see these harps. He's got an electric harp. Wow. Like there's an electric guitar. There's also an electric harp. How many harps? Uh, at least two that I saw. And he had just been recovering from an injury that uh, made it difficult for him to play the harp. Mm-hmm. So he's just now kind of getting back into it. And so he showed me his harps and we instantly connected on a lot of different levels, like you're saying. Uh, I, I just enjoyed getting to know him. He's, he's a lot taller and bigger than I expect. He's kind of built like a linebacker. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's weird when you look at the YouTube videos and the, the pictures on social media, you just don't, you don't picture that, but uh-uh. uh, he's a, he's a large guy and his, his arms are like, because he's been doing massage therapy for so many years, he's built like Popeye. <laughs> his, his arms are like, there's muscles on top of muscles in his forearms. Oh, wow. Uh, but he's just this very, at, while he's a very physically fit guy very soft and gentle, kind of a gentle giant. Yeah. And so we sat back in his living room and had a really great chat. And um, I, I'm, I'm sure the listeners kind of felt that, that connection that was going on. At least I hope they did. Felt it like I did. And what I enjoyed about Chris was um, how eclectic his career has been. Oh, yeah. Very diverse. Yeah. And this, yeah. Is, this is a guy that does not really define himself as a i'm a musician or i'm an actor or i'm a massage therapist of the stars he just kind of exists in this universe and has one of the most unique career paths that i've ever seen i know yeah yeah and one thing i i really need to start working on is keeping the mic on after the interview's over Mm -hmm. because a lot of stuff happens off mic that i really wish i would would have had recorded and, and he's telling me about all kinds of things that made me think, you know what? We need a volume two with Chris Kincaid. Yeah. And so as I'm leaving his place, we were talking about that. We're like, you know what? We need to get together again. I think maybe on a hike or something through the hills of California. That would be cool. Would be really cool. And maybe um, play some music, hear him play, maybe bring in a couple of his friends. But I just really enjoyed talking to him. And, and one thing that happened off mic that really kind of struck me and said a lot about who he is as a human being is uh, he was talking about his massage therapy practice and 
all of the teaching that he does, and also his business model and how that works. And he does not have a set price for anyone. Mm. So when you, when you book a session with Chris Kincaid, he shows up or you go to his place, whatever the arrangement is, and you pay whatever you can pay. Wow. Really? Yeah. Whatever you think is fair. And, and that's it. And he, <laughs> he doesn't judge it. He doesn't question it. And it's, it's a true um, hippie model of, <laughs> of massage therapy. I love it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's great. So he's accessible to, he's not just a, a massage therapist to the stars. He's accessible to people that maybe can't afford someone of his caliber. Hmm. But also what I got a kick out of was hearing all of these stories off mic too about John Cassavetes and his connection to the Cassavetes family and how he basically was like an adopted child of, of the Cassavetes family, mm-hmm. which are legendary filmmakers. Right. And now he's best friends with, with Nick Cassavetes, who's an A-list director down there and screenwriter. But despite all of those, those connections and being in all of these movies and, and acting, he isn't chasing that world. He isn't chasing that life of being an actor. It's sort of happening and coming to him organically. And, and likewise for his massage clients, his Hollywood massage therapy clients, he isn't chasing that existence either. It's sort of coming to him. And um, same thing with music. And I, I just really dig that philosophy, that approach and paradigm to life. My takeaway from that interview is that you can probably find a lot more peace in your life if you just let things unfold as opposed to chasing them. And this kind of goes back to the Bettina Gillawa episode. Yes. Whatever you chase will run away from you. Whatever you run away from will chase you. Will chase you. Yeah. <laughs> That's story logic. And Chris's life seems to follow that story logic. It does. You know, when I first met him, he was, um, we were chatting online. He says, well, I got to go. Um, I got to, I got to rest up because Woody Harrelson needs a massage. And I was like, why do you got to rest up? And he goes, well, he doesn't do anything until after midnight. <laughs> so it was like, it's going to be three in the morning that he was going over there to do this <laughs> massage. Yeah. And I was like, well, tell him I said, hi. And he goes, you know him? And I'm like, no, <laughs> that'll be the funny part. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah. Yeah. He's a character. A lot, oh, of, yeah. a lot of charisma too. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, what are you listening to, watching, reading these days? Well, as you know, about uh, three weeks or so, we lost a really great drummer, um, Neil Peart. And I've been listening to a lot of Rush. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That really hit me hard. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea that he was sick. And um, I grew up a huge fan of Rush. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think when we were talking on these, these recaps, episodes a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. I was talking about my influences growing up and, and, Rush. and Rush was one of them. Yep. Same here. And um, I think I did an Instagram post where I talked about my air drumming, uh, <laughs> yeah. becoming an expert air drummer. And, and he was, he's, that's the type of inspiration that he was for an entire generation of kids. Is, yeah. I don't, I don't think my musical um, anything that I've been influenced by would be the same without Rush. I mean, come on. The, Tom Sawyer, the, the drum solo in that is just, I, every, every time I get to hear it, I, get, I turn it up in the car. Oh, and, dude. You know, it's got to happen. Dude, the entire 2112 album. Oh, yeah. The entire, from start to finish, 
I, I, I was not into the later Rush albums. Right. You know, starting with like Signals. Signals, yeah. Uh, where it kind of got a little synth- synthesizer-y it did, for yeah. me. Yeah. But I appreciated their metamorphosis and the fact that you can't do the same thing over and over again. No. It, it, it's going to exactly. be boring for them. It may not be boring for the audience to show up and hear the same old songs, but, you know, they have to be fulfilled. Right. And that's what they were doing with these later albums, and they were kind of evolving. But I, I saw them several times in concert. I think I saw them on the Presto Tour. That might have been the first concert, Rush concert that I went to, but I think I saw one before that, and I can't remember the album that they were promoting. But um, it hit me, and it's, you know, it's choking me up even right now to talk about it, because you look back at the formative years of your childhood and, mm-hmm. and what things kind of stood out right. as things that really influenced you. And Rush was one of those bands that did that. Totally. You know, because everybody agreed on it, at least in my circle. Oh, yeah. It's like, all right, who's the best band? Fucking Rush, dude. Rush. Who's the best drummer? Yeah. Who's the best drummer? Neil Peart. Neil Peart. Yep. And uh, and also the the lyrics that he wrote. Right. Which a lot of people don't know. Yeah. He was their lyricist. He was their lyricist, but he's not just their lyricist. He was pulling those lyrics Mm -hmm. from literature. Right. He's just not making up these fantasies. I no, mean, this, this guy is one of the most literate, articulate intellectuals oh, yeah. of the era in terms of, of uh, rock and roll bands. And um, so Beyond the Lighted Stage is that documentary, mm-hmm. which um, I highly recommend going back and, and re-watching that if you've already watched it or just watching it if you haven't, because um, it's a really special band and you don't understand their journey until you watch that documentary or you can do it through watching youtube videos and things like that but this this documentary beyond the lighted stage is just taken from one of their song lyrics mm-hmm. one of neil's lyrics uh is a really special documentary and uh so go out and watch it i love the uh like the first side of and i'm going back a, a few I, I know people are back into vinyl but the first side of moving pictures where you've got you know tom sawyer I think it goes Red Barchetta after that, and then YYZ after that. Uh-huh. Those that whole three, those three <laughs> songs running right straight together like that. That is so cool. What and a that, great record! Yeah, and that's what we miss when we don't have records or tapes. Mm-hmm. The song order right. was important to us as well. It totally is. Yeah, you are on this journey, musical journey with the band. They have chosen the order of the songs. Yep, and you are on that train. That's right. Whereas with Apple Music. <laughs> Or Spotify, <laughs> it's a shuffle, yep. totally random, and it just really kind of removes the meaning that the band intended to have. Yeah, the feel. Of, of their album. The flow. Yeah, yeah. I've been listening to a lot of Rush, too, and, and kind of thinking back and waxing nostalgic about those years. Yeah. Yeah. It's very sad. Rest in peace. Yeah, so um, uh, a book I've been reading, and I, I stopped reading the Bill Kreutzman book. Oh, yeah? Why? It got a little too cheesy. <laughs> and I hope this doesn't ruin my chances of interviewing Bill <laughs> down the road. But the stories were, I, I think, too stereotypical and cliche. I know they were, they were real. Mm-hmm. You know, these things really happened. All of these sex, drugs, and rock and roll oh, yeah. stories. But <laughs> I was kind of looking for something more off the beaten path in terms of what that journey was about for right. the band and so and maybe i stopped too short maybe i missed it i only got like four or five chapters in well maybe go back and you know yeah check it out but. yeah but i kind of uh 
gave up on it and I switched to a, a book called How to Think More About Sex by, I don't even know how to pronounce it, Elaine or Alan de Baton. <laughs> How so, to think more about sex. How to think more about sex. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need that book. <laughs> no, I'm not going to loan this one to you. Uh, but it is, you know, it's more of a philosophy uh, book than anything. Yeah. And it's it's kind of talking about the dysfunctional approach or d- dysfunctional way that humans think about, talk about, and behave when it comes to sex. Mm-hmm. And how to have a more healthy approach to it. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe I do need to read it. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I think the premise, the, the opening premise is that we're all weird. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, let's not have shame surrounding that. That's a good idea. And let's let's talk about it and recognize it that we're all weird and we have our unique desires and wants and we don't have to, you know, hide and shame about it. And we should feel free to, with your partner to talk about those things. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm not all the way, I'm not all the way through the book yet, uh, but I'll report back on whether I finish it and also whether it was as life-changing as the person who recommended it said it would be. Next week, Dr. Ruth Westheimer. <laughs> no. Yeah. So uh, what do we have coming up next? A person by the name of My Lease. My. My. The bass player. Yeah. Extraordinaire. David Crosby, right? Yeah, she's mm-hmm. she's uh, playing with David Crosby, but she also has her own band, and she is a uh, a melodic bass player, according to David. I've heard him refer to her as a melodic bass player, and she really is one of the most talented bass players I've ever heard. I think what you'll find about her music is that her bass playing stands out more than it does in other forms of music. Mm-hmm. So in most bands, other than say Rush, you know, right. where the bass was a main part of the drive of the music, mm-hmm. and you totally understood that the bass was a major contributor to the whole song. Oh yeah. Most bands, the bass is in the background. True. Yeah. And you know, there's there are always exceptions. You know, Gerald Johnson is an exception to that and the mm-hmm. Joker for Steve Miller band. But my is one of those exceptions where you listen to her and it's like, okay, this is a very special, talented person who is standing out and also creating music that is unique. I don't know that you can really define it or put it in a category, uh, but her own band you know, has a jazz feel to it, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I would call it jazz. So uh, I got a chance to talk to her at the NAM conference in Anaheim. That's right. And I uh, think you're really going to enjoy that episode. I like how we're coming full circle with this. We're kind of staying in this Crosby circle. We have been for a while since Greg Mariani. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I don't understand why that is yet, but maybe we'll understand why David Crosby seems to be a common denominator for a lot of the guests that we're talking to Mm -hmm. and those connections. Jason, thanks for joining me for the recap. Uh, Thanks for the discussion about Neil Peart. It, uh, it really brought tears to my eyes to, to talk about it with, you, with a fellow fan and devotee like yourself. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Dream Path Podcast. If so, I have a favor to ask. Can you go to your favorite podcast service and give me a rating and review? Your feedback is what keeps this podcast going. I appreciate your time. And as always... Go find your dream path.